of the Ain't Easy Being Green podcast, broadcasting to you live from beautiful, amazing, picturesque Crystal Lake Studios in Putnam Valley, New York. My name is Keith Farrell. I am joined, as always, by the number one Jet fan on the planet today, and the number one Jet fan in the state of Texas, Michael Garris, everybody. (laughs) (laughs) Also joining us, as always now, on a weekly basis, the busiest man in the Jet universe today, Harrison Glazer, everybody. Oh man, I'm stoked to be here, like always. It's fun being here with the Amy's Being Green guys. Keep Mike, the shit you say is just wonderful. I'm ready to get into it. Let's talk about them Jets, because there's a lot, a lot of great stuff to talk about. Yeah, man. Yo, you know what, Harrison, too? Since you joined the squad the last couple weeks, we've been killing it. Okay, we were we were ascending, and you just you just put some fuel in there. Now we just hyper-ascended, okay? We're listening to views, activities, so we appreciate it. We appreciate your insight and everything you're bringing to the show on a weekly basis. Now, we know OTAs wrapped up, guys. We know these little mini-cans wrapped up. Some, some storylines going on last week. We, we talked about a lot of stuff last week. Now, final thoughts, or should I say high-level thoughts, because we're going to go through all these position groups. Harrison has a lot to say about these guys. So does Mike. So do I. So we're going to break down the different position groups for you guys, give you kind of a preview. We'll do the same thing at the end of the summer, kind of see what we say now, matches up to what goes on in reality. We'll see how it works out, guys. But when it comes to our boy, main, the main event, number one topic in the Jet Universe is Zach Wilson. I know the other day, 11 on 11's Mike, I think it was 5 for 10, had a pick. I think, was it Herndon who dropped the ball? And Pinnock scooped it. I don't know if it was him or not. Herndon's been dropping a lot yeah. of balls, man. Herndon is... And we will, we will get to one Chris Herndon guy. Oh, I can't yeah. wait to talk about we'll him. We'll get to his bum ass. Because none of, none of us are really big fans of Chris Herndon here. But <laughs> only thing all eyes were on to me, to most Jet fans, was a couple things. Of course, Elijah Moore. We got these first-round draft picks. AVT, I don't think anyone's worried about him, right? That's not even that's not even a concern. It's Zach Wilson. That's where the focus was on, Mike. And when the smoke's clearing here, after this first little glimpse of our boy of the golden child, hopefully the man that's putting the franchise on his back to lead us to the promised land, Michael, how do you feel? I feel great. Um, I remember Sam when he first got here. Everybody was really excited because they hadn't seen a rookie play like that. That's when you, that's because you have guys like Bryce Petty, Christian Hackenberg, right? So I, none of the media saw a guy like Sam, and they compared Sam to all the garbage, and they were like, "Wow, he looks great," and everything like that. But he had up and down practices, didn't run with the ones and whatnot. Looking over all twelve practices, OTAs, rookie minicamp, so on and so forth. Um, Zach has passed the first test, is what I'll say. I'm very excited, but we have to still see. He had in that first mini camp day, uh, not a greatest day. It wasn't super bad, but he had two interceptions. Had a there were a couple of drops there. He wasn't as fluid as he was looking today. The last day of mini camp, he had a pretty excellent day on 11 11. He was 11 for 15. Uh, I mean, excuse me, 15 for 21. Uh, during 11-11s with no interceptions today. Nice. Looked very good, looked very sharp. And that's what you really want to see from a, a rookie quarterback. But he did have a couple of days, one in particular last week, 
that Sam never had. And he looked so good. And the coaches were just going crazy. And it's not just his skills. It's his moxie. It's his his want to learn. It's his ability to work with the, the guys being a leader. We haven't seen a guy like that, you know, at all at quarterback, you know, in our lifetime. Like a guy that just exudes confidence and brings, you know, that type of moxie. So I'm very excited. And we're going to see what training camp gets into. My biggest question with Zach Wilson is, can he take a hit? Now, you look at a guy like Tua Tonga-Vailoa, <laughs> five picks. Now, again, he's second year, it's practice, but you know what I'm saying? Remember, me and you always talked about this, Keith. We know when a cat walks on the field and immediate makes value, we're like, oh, okay, that's what's up. Like, that's what we want to see. And Zach Wilson j did just that. If he threw five picks, we'd be like, uh, you know, but you still already remember Ja'Kai Polite. We were like, yo, where's Polite? Yeah, right. How come I don't hear anything about this cat? And we were like, right. and then, right? You know what I'm saying? So, Becton, what happened? Second practice. Oh, he's throwing cats around the throwing field. Throwing people. Like, oh, yeah. what? You know? Becton's the real deal, bro. Oh, I can't wait to get into that. that. Anyone, no one should so. be freaking out about that guy. So, well, Harrison, how you, how you feeling? Mike, not, not to cut you up, but Harrison, our boy, we got we got Zach Wilson slinging it. We got his first 12 practices under the belt. Um, I know you're plugged in here. You talk to a lot of the beat writers, do a lot of reporting yourself. What is your takeaway? I know it's limited. I know it's, it's guys and shorts. I know we got to, you know, take it with a grain of salt. We all understand that, the context. But how do you feel about our boy, Zach? Yeah, man. I mean, that, that's my guy. Like, this is the guy I wanted. This is the guy I was excited for. This is the guy that checked all my boxes for the first time in... Man, I can't even remember when. Like, I get excited about guys, but, like, we go back to this year with Jet fans. Man, this year, I got whiplash. I'm just snapping back and forth and everything going on. It feels like this year was, like, a perpetual couple of years. Like, yeah, it was rough. Like, I remember everyone jumped on the tra Trevor Lawrence train, and I was like, you know, uh, Sam was my guy. Like, I finally eventually saw all the things that I needed to see to realize that was not even close to the case. But he was my quarterback. The joke I make is, you know, I talk about, you know, that Terrell Owens, like, you see him crying, like, that's my guy. Like, I'll I defend him. Like, it's me and Sam back to back on a hill as they're all coming. Like, that's my quarterback. So I was finding stats, like, deep stat polls. Like, like I was really working. I was working up a sweat to find stuff to defend this man. And I did find a couple of things. To, I'll take some credit. I found a couple of things where I had to really get into some deep stat polls. I was like, okay. Like, for example, his interception ratio wasn't that low. It turns out it, as, it, it's quite interesting. Yeah. <laughs> but I had to try hard. Yeah. Yeah. But eventually, you know, I realized I, I get on the Trevor train like everyone else and you know, I, I I wasn't huge on him. Like, I even like he was supposed to be the heralded guy, like the generational guy. Like, I watched him and I liked him, but I had my whole take on it when I talked about quarterbacks. Quarterback eval is what I do. We talk about all the time a system quarterback. Like, oh, this guy's a system quarterback. But what we're saying is the system is so good. He's going to succeed no matter what. The plays are built in. There's backup routes and fail saves. We see that with the best schools. There's a reason in college, Ohio State, Clemson, all those top schools are always the top schools because they have great systems yep. even a trevor lawrence he's set up to succeed so i always liked what i saw but man with zach it was just oh like it was literally love at first sight like yeah. it hadn't happened in my lifetime because i'm too young to remember chad Pen like i was a kid when chad pennington was around but i wasn't oh, old enough to legit eval him like oh, i'm not a boy. i'm not a five six year old doing eval like <laughs> I, <laughs> actually he was 2000 so i was i was one year old 
So I wasn't a one-year-old doing eval. So I didn't, you know, I, I hadn't done that. I probably would have been this high. But that's the way I'm thinking, man. I'm like, I don't think a lot of Jet fans have been this high on a guy since chat. Like, yeah. honestly, since yeah. that. And this kid's special. You mentioned I was looking OTAs. Everything about him has been great. There's been a couple of negatives, but most of the negatives tend to not be his fault. They say interception because the receiver dropped it or interception because yeah. the defensive guy made such a great play and he was sure. learning something. And he, like Mike keeps pointing out, talking about how everything is a learning experience. He keeps using that word. And so does Elijah Moore. So does Michael Carter. We need to accept and appreciate that Joe Douglas murdered it like I thought he had a great draft last year I'm thinking last year's draft compared to this year was like a Mike McCagman draft like I mean he walks away with Zach Wilson AVT Elijah Moore Michael Carter like everything else is just gravy those four guys are going to be starters those four guys have the potential to be elite even yeah. Carter is looking amazing man yeah. I am unbelievably stoked but going back to Wilson he looks great like Connor you said he doesn't just look good for a rookie he just looks good. Yeah. That's what they've been saying. That's been the consensus through the beat. Even in minicamp when he's made mistakes, he doesn't look like a rookie. And I expected him to be this good. I really did. I hadn't expected this quick, and I love it. Yeah, and another guy that might, I mean, if Bless Austin doesn't get his knee healed up, he said he should be there by training camp, but Pinnock might be starting opposite Hall. I've been telling you about that, man. I've been saying it, and yeah. I said the same thing about Hall last year. You can check it. I was on a podcast as a guest like a couple of months ago, and they brought that up. They're like, oh, yeah, we had you on the show about a year ago, well, and you were nonstop Bryce Hall. About how Pinnock, was <clears throat> Pinnock's been doing pretty good, but I, the guy that has impressed me the most is Isaiah Dunn. He's been the most consistent rookie out of all these rookies uh, every day I've been reading. Um, and Pinnock has done pretty good as well. He's made some flash plays. But I think that the approach that JOD did was like, look, we're investing in O-line. We're investing in we're getting our quarterback. We're going to get some receiver help. We're going to get some offensive help. And what we're going to do is just throw darts at cornerback. And hopefully, you know, Pinnock and also the undrafted cornerback done will fill in to a hole that we have at cornerback. I mean, like we said, uh, you know, Bryce Hall really is penciled in a CB1, and he's not even considered a legit starting cornerback yet. So we have, we hope so. I think he will be, but we that's still yet to be seen. So there, there's, there's an opportunity for these guys, a lot of opportunity in the secondary, and that is absolutely our weakest link. But who, you never know. And the way I think about it, Keith and 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 uh, and Harrison, you know how a cornerback just goes down in the second, third game, and then just some backup scrub comes in, and that scrub actually does a decent job. I mean what we can't find somebody that could be serviceable i'm sure that they will find somebody to get in there and we're not trying to win the super bowl anyway this year so it is what it is i i, I think that this is opportunity and they want these young kids to try to take that cb2 spot yeah no mike i couldn't agree with you more man like when they asked robert solomon a couple of weeks ago about the cornerback group bringing in a veteran first thing he said was i don't want to do that right now because these guys are you know it's otas they're in shorts and i want to see what we have we have a lot of young guys that have a lot of talent and if we bring in a veteran he's just going to be eating up the reps i want to see what we have right now and people are talking about how bad that cornerback spot is like you just said we have three guys bless austin isaiah dunn and jason pinnock all vying for that cb2 spot now, CB1 is going to be Hall, and he's going to show everybody. In the slot, Michael Carter has looked unbelievable. Javelin Gidry's been pretty good as well. 
we're better at corner than people want to mention. And even Brandon Eccles, you can throw Brandon Eccles in there. He's been pretty damn good too. And we're going to get to that in a second, guys. We're going to break these positional groups down. One thing I want to throw at you guys is uh, Jameson Crowder did sort this contract situation out. And he's back with the squad, Mike. Yes. As uh, we were hoping would happen, as I thought logically in my mind, made sense for us to happen. And the draft has passed. They figured the contract out. Jamison Crowder, complete professional about it the whole time. Before it, during negotiations, afterwards, he says, you know what it is, guys? It's a business. And he understands what's going on here. Him and Elijah Moore on the field at the same time, though? I'm thinking about... I don't want to... Go ahead. I don't want to, like, bust... I don't want to, like, let out my a lot of stuff. But I listen to fantasy football podcasts. I don't know if you know that. But I know me and you compete. Um, but one of these podcasts that I listen to, their breakout or their top rookie, one of, their, one of the guys on there was, like, Elijah Moore. I can't wait. I'm so excited. Like, he was, like, all fantasy managers. This kid, like, he was going nuts. And when Crowder signed his deal, he was, like, crying. He's like, oh. <laughs> seriously, he that's was so mad. Right He's like, See, that's I'm the wrong way to look at it. Yeah. Diamond. Now, for us Jet fans, it's hilarious because you hear Keith. He's excited. I'm excited. You're excited. Yeah. We're excited because this is better for the Jets. Well, because they're real coming at it from a fantasy life, football perspective. Yeah, but real life. Right, but, well, real yeah, we're talking about real life. That's all we care about. Value, yeah. His, Elijah's fantasy value definitely took a dip temporarily though temporarily. i mean as the season goes on yeah that's <laughs> but thing. i wanted but we'll i wanted to keep to know i wanted to keep to know son fantasy world loves elijah just up there the cats who are in the know like they, they know about it you know they like Elijah. you don't have to say this to me because i already said this after we drafted him right? and there's no way for me to hide it that's the only thing about the jet players that i like but there hasn't been a jet player relevant in the fantasy world in so long i didn't have to hide my notions and my drafting I'm, I'm, Harrison, I'm the greatest drafter of all time in our league mike knows so i don't know i'm gonna give stuff away but you can't hide it with elijah more we all know why he's got all the skills all the whole tool set we're gonna go through in a second let's go ahead let's go start breaking these positional right, uh, positional right. battles down yeah, i want to talk about elijah Moore, man that kid is gonna be unbelievable yeah and what i want to do Ooh. first guys if you don't mind since there's not really much to go through here because we know who the quarterback's going to be and we don't really have an established backup is just talk about QB real quick we know it's Zach Wilson all we have on the roster besides him right now is James Morgan and Mike White do you think I haven't run this by Harrison yet I haven't asked you this do you think it just every single logical thing points to them maybe just bring some veteran in not that there's a lot of guys out there um I know Nick Foles is out there that kind of, it seems like they're not going to keep three quarterbacks Chicago that's a lot of money they're going to eat up on the cap do you see them bringing a vet in before the season starts it almost seems like they have to with Zach Wilson uh going ahead and he's such a neophyte starting those first games wouldn't it make sense to have a veteran behind him so I'm, I'm glad you asked. And again, we talked about it before, you know, with Jameson Crowder, I have a quote as well. At my company, Take Flight Media, we got reporting going on. We got, you know, the press conferences. Salah had one. Corey Davis had one. Crowder, they all did. So we were listening into those. Uh, with Robert Salah specifically, they actually asked him about that. They asked him about bringing in, you know, a potential veteran quarterback. Yeah, yeah. And I thought his answer was very good. He immediately said, you know, both young guys are looking good. Right now, you know, we're not in a game time decision right now. We want to see what we have. We want to see if one of the two of them can be the guy. And he said they both look good. He pointed out that for some reason, and it's been true, when the media's been there, the two of them have had very roller coaster like games uh... where they have one OTA, they look great, one they look bad. But according to Sala, that's just during the media, they've been pretty good overall. He wants to see what he has in them. But when asked again about bringing in a veteran, he said, as training camp and the preseason approaches, we will re-explore the idea. He did say that. So it is on the table, which makes sense. But for now, Hoyer's gone. I mean, Nick Foles, you want a mentor. 
Joe Flacco was not a mentor. Nick Foles will not be a mentor. If you wanted Josh McGowan on the sideline, a quarterback whisperer, that's not Nick Foles. There's no one out there right now that has that role. So I'm fine with, you know, seeing what these two young guys can do, seeing if one of them really shines, you know, in camp and maybe in the preseason as well. But any, you know, veteran that's available is probably going to stay available. I mean, it's... They, yeah, I mean, a being now. a mentor, being a mentor is one aspect of it. I'm, I'm just want there to be a person who can play quarterback on the team. Right. Well, Mullins would have exactly. been a great option, but they didn't bring him in. Yeah, they weren't interested. I mean, what happened to us a couple of years ago, we were throwing fails out there. I mean, it was disintegrated quickly the whole season, and Gase got to blame the whole season on... Sam getting mono in a few games. We had no reliable backup. Uh, what's his, what's, what, who got hurt? Oh, Simeon got his arm snapped within seconds. So you put yourself in a bad spot, I think. I would love to have someone, even if it's Foles. Foles seems like he's not the sharpest tool in the shed. Doesn't know how to play quarterback decently enough. Just well, somebody, I'll give you this. Are you ready? Yeah. I got a good one for you. Would you and Mike, you too. Would you? I know you haven't seen it yet here, but from what you've seen in general, Robert Sala, what you've seen from Mike LaFleur, would you consider those good systems? Well, yeah, definitely. So if you would consider that a good system, look at the Patriots, look at plenty of teams where a quarterback has gotten hurt, but the backup succeeded because they were in a good system. They were in the position to succeed. We saw it with Matt Castle. We saw it with plenty of quarterbacks that have a great year when they come as a backup. Falls, it was really the same thing. He got his chance with St. Louis and the Rams and he completely flamed out because he got that opportunity. I think if we have a great system, then I think Zach's the guy, I don't think he's getting hurt, but a guy like White, a guy like you know Morgan, could potentially be like a Matt Castle in I a mean, good system. I, I mean, I'll, I'll disagree with you there just because um, maybe, maybe, I don't, I, I, they look terrible in camp. Like, they don't look like quarterbacks. Uh, really. I would go as far to say terrible. I wouldn't say, I would say it's good as Zach Wilson. Everything, everything I've, I've read, they're not good. Um, Morgan, I'm a little bit concerned about because this is year two and you would at least think that he would be doing something. We'll, we'll see what it comes down uh, to camp. But in my opinion, we need to get a second quarterback in there um, and just throw those two either to Los Huevos or to practice squad. But anyway, I mean, look, until that changes, I just, I'm a little just dis disappointed. There's two positions I'm pissed off about. It's backup quarterback and kicker, but we'll get to kicker later. But yes, Zach Wilson's the guy. And we'll see what happens uh, as far as adding depth there. If if Morgan or White ends up being being it, I, dude, Harrison, please keep our fingers crossed. Right. If you keep want interesting thing about each of them, ready? Morgan throws one of the most beautiful deep balls you'll ever see. He does. Get him at FIU. That kid's deep ball is legit. Like he can throw end zone to end zone beautifully. And going to White. He has one of the best football IQs out there. Like, if you talk to this kid about football, he'll make you feel stupid. Like, his football IQ is off the charts. So just throwing that out there for each I mean, that's nice. I hope, Jeff Fence, hold on to those little factoids Harrison threw at you, okay? You want Maybe, hope? we'll see. I was talking to these guys before the show. Just something you just They may not turn out to be good, but those are facts yeah. about them. <laughs> I, remember, I remember when Jeff George got drafted, my dad was like, Keith, this guy can throw the ball from one end of the... You probably don't know who he is, Harrison. You're too young. From one end of the field to the other. And I was like, Dad, he's a scrub, though. <laughs> it's like, like Jamarcus Russell. Yeah. Jamarcus <laughs> Russell could throw oh, from one end zone to the other. Good example, good example. But let's, get, <laughs> let's get into some of the more sexier battles here, because when it comes to this running back situation we have going on, I think, I guess technically penciled in when you look at depth charts. Now, I just mean technicality-wise, guys is Tevin Coleman. At least when I look at most of the depth charts, when you see reports, I don't think he's going to be on RB1 
at all. I don't think he's our best running back at all. I'm just saying, when you look at some of these depth charts, it's what you see. And you know what I thought to myself? I said, to, before I did the research, I said, well, maybe it's because of his contract. I went and looked. He's one year, $1 million contract. So he's not getting paid any money. Uh, Adams actually has a bigger contract than Tevin Coleman, which is kind of funny if you look at it, guys. And then we have Michael Carter, who has been tearing it up. And we have, of course, we have our boy Ty Johnson. I don't know who we think is going to shake out as a starter, but I'm, I'll start with you, Mike. When it comes to the guy you think day one is going to be like, I don't know. They might do like the Niners. No, uh, one guy might not get the bulk of the carries, Mike, with the zone running scheme. We're going to be throwing at them here. We know Carter could be more of a change of pace guy. What do you think? What do you think with this running back room, Mike, from what you've heard so far, from what a little bit you saw Ty Johnson last year, the bit you've seen with Tevin Coleman in his career so far, and Michael Carter, I think it's the three of them here in contention for getting the most carries. Which one of those guys you think when the smoke clear is going to be getting the rock the most? Here's my prediction. My starter and breakout is the same player and rookie of the year. Not for the NFL, but rookie of the year for the New York Jets, and that is Michael Carter. I'm excited. I'm really excited. I think he's going to be so nasty because I love – because Harrison, what you said, scheme. This scheme is built for a running back who is very good on the outside, shifty, right? It's built, and if Becton is healthy, Mims can block. Corey Davis can block. All these guys, the whole, if you look at what they just did, it's perfect, right? And I think a guy like Michael Carter, I was watching him about a month ago. I did like a whole Carter. And I, I said, you know, this dude actually may have been better than his, his teammate on North Carolina. And Ooh, I, I heard it. I and, and nobody's talking about him because he was baby. He was I Luigi did. to Mario. No, I know. And so what I'm saying is, now you just put this cat on with 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 Jupiter on the left and then Neptune and the guard spot, you know what I'm saying? With yeah. the receiver. What? So that's my breakout. That's my starter. And watch the hell out in fantasy for Mr. Michael Carter. That's your boy, Mike Legaris, coming hot. Yeah, and in North Carolina, too, they run the same exact type of running scheme the Jets are gonna run this year. So it's not like this kid has to do too much different than what he already had a ton of success doing. Um, You look at it last year, he split carries, I think, with Javante, and he still led the ACC in rushing, one of the highest rushers in the country last yeah, year. I was say that. Over yes. 3,000 yards rushing in yes. his career there at North Carolina. So he's, he's consistent, finished with six yards, six and a half yards of carry, I think it was, guys. All-time record when it comes to North Carolina. And then the only the only concern you have, I know he was 200 pounds. People are worried about the size there. NFL is a different game. Now, I'm not, I'm not too worried about that. His, his 40 time. People got concerned with, but I'm going to say this to you guys. He had the most rushes last season of eight, of 20 yards or more in all the NCAA. So when he gets to the outside, you're talking, like Mike, Mike mentioned what we're going to be doing with his own running scheme, the lateral movement, and all these type of things. Now, his 40 time might have been underwhelming for some people considering his size. I think just because he's 5'8 or 5'9, 200 pounds, they want a guy to run a 4'3 or something ridiculous, right? But when you look at the shuttle time, guys, was, was that shiftiness, which is basically a 25-yard sprint left and right, as you guys know, you've seen the combines. He had uh, a time of 3.98, which was the fastest time in the last 20 years. Um, and his, his cone time also, too, was one of the fastest time in the last 20 years, the, 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 three, the triple cone. So... He's one of those guys when it comes to shiftiness. You know, how you measure shiftiness speed in Madden? You know, that, that shimmer that he has? Um, I know that they, they're worried about that straight line time when he did the 40. I'm not concerned because you go throw his highlights on, you look at how productive he was, you look at the speed that he has, and all those type of drills that he did. Um, I think he's going to be probably the most productive guy when the smoke clears. I don't know if he's going to be the starter week one. I think Ty Johnson's someone that's going to give him a run for his money because I think Ty Johnson is an underrated running back so far in his career. And he had a pretty decent last year when we really got some burn. He didn't get a lot of games. We had a lot of carries. That Raider game, Ty Johnson got a lot yeah. of carries, tore it up. I think he had... 
Um, I know we had over 100 yards versus the Raiders, or right around 100 yards versus the Raiders. The last game of the season versus the Pats, he got 11 carries, did well that game. The game versus the Rams, you remember, they kept throwing the ball to him. He had a big touchdown in that game. So Ty Johnson last year almost averaged five yards a carry. So uh, to me, Ty Johnson and Carter are our two best running backs. I think Coleman's there more as insurance. I know Coleman's contract isn't crazy either. Josh Adams is a big guy. Maybe you can use him around the goal line. He's actually making a little bit more money than Coleman, which is hysterical. And then all the way down there to me, bottom of the pecking order with running backs is going to be P. Ryan. Uh, uh, Mike, if he doesn't, they're, they're going to keep probably five running backs, five, six running backs. But, I mean, if he doesn't show a lot this this when it comes to training camp, maybe he won't even make the team by the time. We're <clears throat> what do you think, Harrison? Oh, man, I got to say, Keith, you nailed it because you – you stole all my stats. Like I had it up. I was ready to go because I tweeted. I don't know if maybe you were looking at my Twitter feed because <laughs> I uh, tweeted a lot of that stuff, man. Like that was. I love Michael Carter. Like <laughs> <he's talking laughs> old fashioned, old fashioned way. <laughs> no, because it's funny because I love it, bro. I love it, man. You were literally saying all the things I got that I was I had put out because this kid was amazing. Like you were mentioning with the stats, he. Uh, I have it up here. I was gonna get into that, but when Michael Carter was on the board. I didn't want to go running back higher than the fourth round. So, yeah. like, I, I had a lot of running backs I liked, but Michael Carter wasn't one of them. Because I had no freaking way was Michael Carter going to be in the fourth round. Like, I didn't expect that. Because Michael Carter was massively slept on because of Javonta Williams. Like, Javonta Williams, I kept saying, was considered. Exactly. Javonta Williams was considered the best back there, but I kept saying, I don't know what everyone's talking about. Like, if you watch these two running backs, Javonta Williams seems more like the linear player. Michael True. Carter is all Agreed. over the place. You're right, And though. to prove You're right. that, like, and so a big thing with me, like, you mentioned his side. Keith. I talk about this guy. I do a lot of draft eval myself. I try not to get too caught up on that. When you get caught up on measurables, when you get focused on the combine too much, you make a bad decision because it's all about football. It's all about on the field. You see guys that don't have great combines that are great football players and guys that break the combine and can't play when they put a freaking pads on in a jersey. We see that all the time. Yeah. Like I, I make a joke about that with John Elway because he's a measurables guy. But that's not me. So like when I look at guys like a Hamilcar Rashad, for example, I don't look at their size purposely. I try to ignore that because I don't want to get, you know, like, oh, he's too small. He's too light. He can't fit next and just dismiss him because to do that, you miss out on a guy like Frankie Luvu. Remember Luvu? I, everyone kept saying he was too small. I'm like, he's not. That kid is strong and pound for pound, just as strong as a guy that's 260. And he was. He was blasting through that line. But anyone getting caught up on measure will just dismiss him. You know, forget Frankie Lupe. He's too light. He's too small. He can't make it as an edge guy. Same thing with Hamill Carver Shetty. He's only 235. He can't make it. But same thing with Carter. When I watched him, man, I, I try to like imagine what I think they are. I thought Carter was legit at least 210, maybe 215, because yeah. yeah, yeah. he's a beast. Like this, this guy, right. yes, he yeah. runs powerfully and he runs through people, yep. but he's incredibly elusive, incredibly shifty. He's much smaller than that. So these 200 pounds, this dude packs a punch. Like he's not like people are like, oh, he's 200 pounds. He's too small. And again, you're getting too caught up on measurements. Yeah. He's not too small. He's going to pop you in the lip like a guy 10, 15 pounds his size. Yeah. And one of the most underappreciated aspects of Michael Carter that I love the most was his patience, his absolute patience. Like you don't see that anymore. You don't rarely see running backs that are patient in the backfield, waiting for the offensive lineman to get their gap, hit their assignment, find the hole. We were supposed to have a guy like that. I'm not going to mention his name because mm -hmm. I don't want to do that. So I'm going to take it back further. I'm going to compare him to like a Ladanian Tomlinson. That's what you want. A guy that's patient. That's what he has. He's got that rare old school patience where he waits in the backfield. But when that hole's there, he just explodes. He's unbelievable agile, unbelievably quick. And you guys talked about the stats just to, you know, talk about like what Keith was bringing up there for a second. 
Michael Carter was first in 2020 among all running backs in yards per carry with 7.9 and runs of 15 plus yards. Over the last two seasons, he's had over 380 touchdowns and he's only fumbled the ball once. And like you mentioned, that is, out of 380 touches, only fumbled once. And like Keith mentioned, most runs of 20 plus yards. So most runs of 15 last year, highest yards per carry in all of college football with 7.9. The dude averaged 7.9 yards per carry now, I'm telling like you, 120 don't, don't, carries. Don't be surprised that he, it may be up there as one of the best rookie running backs. He could and be one that. of the better running backs this season. Man. I'm telling you, I have a feeling it's just going to. And, and I'm not trying to say Zach Wilson isn't going to be good, Keith. And I'll, I'm sorry. I'm not saying oh, Zach Taylor. Okay. I don't think Elijah Moore. I'm saying that this kid has a chance to be really, really good. More than, you know, people even really think right now. But go ahead, Keith. Sorry. No, I was going to say, and uh, Harrison was alluding to you want a guy to be kind of like LaDainian Tomlinson. One thing he's going to give us right now, he's already probably our best receiving running back at this moment because he actually caught the ball a little bit in college too. He was getting 20, 25 catches a year there. So I think when it comes to running back, we're all kind of on the same page with Michael Carter here. Tevin Coleman, I think, was good insurance for us to grab. Yeah. I'm not saying Tevin Coleman's been great in his career, but he did average over four yards carry in his career. That's decent enough. One thing that was funny when I did my research on Ty Johnson. So, you know, Gase, I don't know if you know this, Harrison. Adam Gase wasn't a good coach. Oh, so really? last year, yeah, no so last year, last year, play the Raiders. We almost won that game. We know is, this, game. is this that thing on the under? Because I remember I had a whole video take on this. Is it how? No, 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 no. I'm just going to talk about one specific move he did when it comes to running back. So last year we played the Raiders. We almost won the game. We lose at the end. We know the misery of that game. Ty Johnson, 22 carries, tears it up. The next three games after that, he has 15 carries combined. That's how we coached this team last year, where we went back to Gore. We yeah, averaged barely yeah, three yards. We're yeah. going to P. Ryan. We're going to three point five. And Ty Johnson comes and tears it up, disappears. He doesn't even get carries again. Really, a Josh Adams too, bro. Josh and Josh Adams, who's yeah, I love from Notre Dame, had a phenomenal career, was pretty decent with the Eagles. So another guy, and you're like, damn, why are they forcing Gore and P. Ryan down our throat? Um, that was frustrating. All right, but let's get let's get into an, another uh, positional group here, another sexy position group, wide receiver. Jamison Crowder re-signed this week. So when you talk about depth at wide receiver, um, I got to go back a long ways for the last time I remember, on paper at least, because we all think Mims could be decent as well. Um, Keelan Cole's been tearing it up too. We know we got uh, our boy Elijah Moore. We know we got Davis. We know we got Crowder. I don't remember the last time we had this many receiving options on a piece of paper going into a year. You know, last year we had games with injuries where Barrios was like our number one. You know, I mean, we were in rough shape last year. Our boy Crowder, he only played 12 games last year. So I know Corey Davis, guys, he's uh, in theory, he's the number one, has the biggest contract. Um, brought him in this year for big time money. I do think the best receiver on the team is Elijah Moore. Um, we'll see how it shakes out at the beginning of the year. We know his size a little bit, a much different player than, than Corey Davis. Really excited, though, about this wide receiver group. Really excited about the options they're going to give our boy Zach Wilson. Uh, kind of the opposite of the situation that Sam walked into. I know Sam did have Anunwa. He had Anderson. Um, but Anunwa couldn't really stay on the field. Anderson, we know, was kind of a one-trick pony when he couldn't throw the ball down the field. Then after that, he didn't have many options. It seemed like the opposite's happening here with our boy Sam. Okay? We're loaded up here at wide receiver. I'm excited about Davis. But let's just get right into it, the main event. Because he's the star of OTAs. He's been the star of every single practice so far. It's Elijah Moore. And we broke it down last week, all the ridiculous stats. Harrison had a ton of them that were totally mind-blowing. We know he has the speed, guys. We know he has the hands. We know he has the routes. What I didn't know until this week, when I read an article, I think it was Rich Samini, um, was talking about the work ethic. So this guy's showing up, first guy there every day with Michael Carter, the running back. 
last guy to leave every day. Okay, Salah, hey, you know, they always, they're always they going to speak glowingly about these guys unless it's like a Ja'Kai Polite situation, Mike, like you mentioned before. Um, the way you're hearing reporters, teammates, coaches speak about this kid is that he's special and he's going to be a special player. Um, Samini's article was that the Jets have a drafted a receiver of this caliber probably in 20 years. Mike, what do you think? Do you think as this year goes on, that's our going to be our best weapon at wide receiver? I think that Elijah Moore will end up being our best weapon at wide receiver after what I've seen so far through 12 practices, what I'm hearing about who he is, what he did in college, his attitude, his relationship with Zach Wilson. He's very, very special, and he could be just as special this year as Michael Carter. He could be something that we haven't seen in a really long time. I would agree. Um, I would say right now, do I say he's the best? You could say that. I won't get. I won't knock anyone for saying that. But to me, um, the guy I think who's going to be the breakout wide receiver this year, meaning he's going to make fantasy impact. He's going to make, you know, pro, may, maybe not Pro Bowl consideration, but a lot of people are going to know who he is now. Is Braxton Berrios? Braxton Berrios ha has looked phenomenal. I understand Cole. I get it. But I was seeing a couple of, or reading a couple of instances where Zach and Barrios are hooking up while, while double, double coverage. And he's just finding him, you know, when he doesn't have a play, he finds Barrios in the flat. He find, and I remember little plays last year, both you guys saw, when Barrios gets loose and Sam would just dump it. He'd go for like, and I'm thinking to myself, like, dude, Elijah's going to be tearing it up. Crowder's gonna do his thing, all that, and then you're just gonna have all these cats yeah, that's, covered. That's what I'd be worried about is if David if Davis isn't in camp yet, so like the pecking order when they're out there on the field right now isn't how it would normally be. Right. Like, how is he gonna get reps when you have Elijah Moore and Crowder resigned? I mean, that's he's playing right. basically playing the same position. It's 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 well, just that they've have a rapport right now. Now that could change again. To your point with Corey, I just feel like what I've seen, and then I see uh, Zach and Barrios hanging out. You know, they're 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 coming close, and I'm just looking at that like, yo. Okay. All right. Maybe we'll see. And no, of course, nobody's going to say Braxton Barrios. I just noticed that Zach likes him a lot and likes Cole a lot too, which we know about too. Yeah. So I can't wait to talk we'll about see. Cole, man. Yeah. We'll see. We'll see what happens. Well, That's please, no, I mean, we pretty much know the deal here with Davis. I think Elijah Moore, he's, he's our stud. We took him in the middle. We took him in the first round, guys. We're all excited about him. Crowder is kind of a mystery because until this week, I hadn't spoken about him realistically. I almost like put him to the side. Because in my head, I'm like, they're probably going to trade him. I don't know what's going to happen with him. And now he's back. So you're like, oh, well. So, I mean, this is interesting how this is shaking out. Because like we said last week, if Keelan Cole continue, Keelan Cole has been more than efficient in his career. He's probably an underrated receiver when you look at what he did there down there in Jacksonville. And you look at Crowder, who is one of the faster receivers in the league. Very productive. And you look at Davis with the big contract. And you look at Elijah Moore. Where does this shake out for Mims? I don't know. Keith, you said it. Cream rises to the top, right? Yeah. Every single time. So we'll see what shakes out, man. If he's the guy, if he's not the guy, man, he's not the guy. I mean, if you competition is what breeds success when it comes to any sport. So uh, I'm sorry to say, man, they brought Crowder back and they drafted a guy in the first round at your position. So, and they brought Keelan Cole in, who actually has a track record here in the NFL. When you look, I mean, I'm not saying that he's a guy that was targeted a lot down there in Jacksonville, but they had horrible quarterback play. Um, Minshew was the best quarterback they've had there in a while, slinging it. So, and his stats, he actually was still decently productive if you look at him down there. Um, guys, let's get to this offensive line because the left side, we're locked in. We're locked in and ready to rock on the left side of the line, guys. <laughs> we know we got the big we got the big eclipse out there, Makai Becton. 
We got ABT at guard. Um, the right side of the line is where I'm a little concerned. Now, we spoke last week about maybe bringing Moses in. Let's just move forward here in this hypothetical, guys, with just the dudes we have on the roster right now. Mm -hmm. I think they're going to bring someone in. I think we're all in agreement. That could potentially be a realistic thing for us. But if we just move forward with the guys we have right now, are we thinking Font, Van Roten, McGovern in the middle, and then we know the guys on the left side? Is that what we think are the best five offensive line on the squad right now from what you've heard so far? Is that how it's going to shake out? Because it's such a disparity between the left side of the line and the right side of the line. It, it seems is, like it on is. paper it's at least. Day. It's crazy. It, it is, right? And it, it just seems like Van Roden or Lewis, neither of them played good at guard. But I forgot year. who it was. It might have been Daniel Jeremiah, but he spun that to an advantage. It was very interesting. Maybe. Hey, you know what? I love it. If there's an advantage, if there's an advantage to having a horrific one side of your line, well, I, I wouldn't I wouldn't say there's not an advantage to horrific. I wouldn't <laughs> if, horrific is horrific. But he basically said if you have great on one side versus average on another, people know that that side is stacked. So they're anticipating that side and pulling more because of the ability on that side. So when you run to the right, it's like an avalanche. Literally, I forgot who it was, but he said the quote. It's like an avalanche going the other direction because they're so anticipatory of the greatness on that other side. So as long as you have average play, it should work out. But you have yeah. a point. I'm a little worried about even getting average play. No, I, exactly. I, I'm not really that worried about it, to be to be frank. I mean, I, again, like Keith said, I think Mikhail Becton is our best player. Elijah Barry Tucker is going to be, I think, potentially a Pro Bowl guard. I really do. Connor McGovern is decent. He's not great. He's decent. And but, then the year last year, he played a lot better. Yeah, hey, Connor um, McGovern is yeah, playing left yeah. tackle right now. I didn't expect yeah. that. He's yeah. the guy, not Shumadoga, not kicking Fantover, which is interesting. Yeah, we so thought weird. they'd kick Fantover. They actually trust McDermott right now as the left tackle. So that's interesting. Yeah. So McGovern, you know, center. And then when I look at a guy like Greg Van Roden, Van Roden was not built for the inside scheme. He's built more for an outside running zone scheme. That is his. That's what we're doing now. That's so. where he is better placed. Yeah. So I system feel, fits him better. So that's what exactly. And Fonts, Fonts, you're going to say Fonts athletic as well. Maybe it helps I, him as well. I'm going to say Fonts. Fonts is, is one of the most athletic offensive linemen in the league. For some yeah. reason, Jet fans don't like George Fant for whatever narrative was made well, I'm not the biggest got him fan. he was good he wasn't bad he was great he was he, he was, was average on his average. best, he was on his best days though he was he was vanilla. average on his best day. and and you know what i agree i agree Harrison. and you know what like let the man just play it i mean he did decent he wasn't a bad right tackle okay we've seen some bad no, right yeah. tackles have we not he wasn't bad so just he's average and yeah. i think roten is gonna do his thing and you know what? I think that this this flexibility here, if we got guys like Cameron Clark that step up, I wish I could say to you guys that I think Cameron Clark's going to be our breakout player. I can't because I haven't heard no. anything. I'm still really excited about Cameron Clark. I'm really excited about that I haven't also, heard anything yet, but yeah. they're not he, wearing pants. He annoys me. He annoys me because when you're good, again, you flash. There's things like I want to hear, oh, Cameron Clark did X, Y, Z. It's like he's not on the team. Okay, so I'm, I'm, if, well, if to he be doesn't fair, do anything, it, he was hurt. I know, I know. No, 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 not just that, not just that, Michael. To be fair, with offensive linemen, it's always been the less you hear, the better. You don't always hear about offensive linemen. And when you don't hear about them, you always say, when you don't hear a name, that's great. I mean, guys like Nick Mangold, Alan, uh, Alan Fatica, uh, Kevin Mawai, you heard their names three times in their career. I don't know about all that. I mean, that's a bit of a hyperbole there. I would rather hear, I'd rather camp start, and I, in the second day of camp, I hear people 
expected throwing people into the sideline like last year than hear nothing. When you hear literally nothing for two years, it's like, you know, it's well, like, I know what you mean. I know what you mean. Like, it's <laughs> not nobody hearing anything negative. Hearing negative but you know, you mean hearing period. I know what you yeah, mean. Yeah, I know. What you mean. I'm thinking the negative part because that's the thing. Oh, I, I, yeah. I don't hear it. There's zero coming from that camp, you know, that from there. So I'm worried about that. Um, but honestly, I would sign Moses. I would sign Moses. And I would take Moses. And they got and the would, money. You know, what I, would do? You know what I would do? I would take him and I would throw him in at right guard. That's what I would do. I'd take Moses. It's not a bad deal, but I'd buy him at right guard. No, no, no. Keep Fant where he is because he signed because he wanted to be a right tackle. You stay doing your right tackle. I'm going to get Moses, big ass, big beast. Cat, throw him there in the right guard spot. Now I got a wall, son. Let's go. That's what I'm talking about. And then guess what? If Becton's planner hurts him, take him out, take Fant, move him to left guard, and then put Moses on the right or whatever you want to do. But it's flexible. Just, so my, Michael covered a lot with the offense, but I agree a lot with what he said. The one thing I would just bring up with is with Mekhi Becton, the injury is nothing to worry about. You know, they interviewed Robert Sala about it, and people are always putting spins and, you know, narratives on these things and, you know, saying like it's something when it's not or taking just a section of the quote. Literally, I have it right here when they asked him about it. Robert Sala literally said, you know, we're confident he'll be ready to go. Like I've said, it's just a nagging foot injury. It's not worth putting him out there and making something so small a lot worse. We're not worried about his availability for training camp. They're not. It's an what injury. What do you expect the coach to say? Well, that's what are you going right. to say? This guy's Harrison, injured all the time. I, I, like, do you expect the coach to be like, yeah, man, I'm really worried about this dude. He's going to get injured all the time. Here's the problem. I'm not saying that. Yeah, I don't lying. expect him to say I'm that. I've missed my life. Injury. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I've lived in my life hearing a coach or a GM say anything except what you just said. Harrison, that's the only thing I've ever heard him say in my whole life. My problem is he has plantar fasciitis. That's a fact. It's not spin. It's not. He has plantar fasciitis. Yeah, but anybody and can I, have that. I, I mean, no, if he but rests, I know, it but I know away. from my history, watching this since this sport, since I was a kid in the '80s. Okay, that injury sucks, and it doesn't just go away. Now, hopefully, with rest, hope I hope that he comes back and he's okay. But just my understanding, my understanding of what this injury is, it's not something that just, you know, rest takes care of. You need like eight months, six to eight months for it to actually go away. But Keith could tell you what happened. Remember with Eli Manning that year, 2009? I forgot what year. And it was like from week one all throughout the entire season, this dude was just suffering from it. So I'm just, and it says nothing to do with his weight. Has nothing to do with his weight. Which is it that's a big to, thing too. It has, has nothing, nothing to do with his weight. That's with an important weight. thing I didn't say for a while. It has to do with the fact that his foot has plantar fasciitis. No, which I understand, but from what I saw, it didn't sound. I mean, again, I'm not a doctor. Like, throw that out. I'm not a doctor. <laughs> but from what I read and saw, it seemed like it wasn't that bad an injury. That it's it They'll can be it common, like that. and that. Like that. No, no, no. Anywhere I looked, they really said that with rest, it would just go away. It may take a little longer for some than others, but that's why they're resting him. But the biggest thing is the weight stuff. They're saying that he's too heavy, which doesn't make sense. Sala covered that. You know, he's faster and quicker than guys that are like 60 pounds lighter than him. Yeah. So he's fine. Like weight's not the issue for the plantar fasciitis. I get the concern, but I mean, even if not for training camp, if he takes it easy, which people are freaking out at. Like we had a coaching staff last year that literally threw him back in with his shoulder falling off, so he keeps re-hurting oh, Now they're doing the right thing. They're sitting up. They're letting his foot get right. So I think if he keeps resting and taking it easy, he should be good within a good amount of time. All I mean, right. 
How crazy is it that Gase, Gase did that with Beckton and he did that with Sam once? Dude, yeah, I, dude, I mean, how, how, on how do you not get fired the next day? The dude, next I had a whole day. article. I went, I went crazy on Twitter with this. I had articles about it. He did it to both of them. Yeah, how Rich Sinise said that Sam Darnold has a separated AC joint, which is a fancy way of saying his shoulder separated. Yeah. The man's shoulder was literally separated, yet he kept playing week to week. Like, but if the, he was our legit future, like a Trevor Lawrence, they would have killed Adam Gase. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But to put it, put, get back to what we were saying about tight end, I do agree with that. I think Croft may end up being, but in my opinion, I think Croft, I think Herndon had his shot. We'll see. We're training camp. We'll see what, how it's going to come out. Croft does, is the guy I like the most of the bunch. But to me, I would trade for Zach Ertz. I don't know about you guys, but that's what I would yeah. do. Do you I still mean, think this is the thing I'm worried about? And I'm not gonna cut you off, Harrison. Um, just with Zach Ertz is I'm just worried if he has anything left in the tank, Mike, because um that's what you hear. He's he's the type of guy that played a lot of years catching the ball over the middle, very physical. Um, that can wear you down. You look at his year last year, he wasn't the most productive. I think what you can I, not, not, little, I don't know his health status, and I know he's been super productive in his career. Last year being the down year. Um yeah, I never like getting those guys off that down year. I don't like how that feels. I think that Croft, I'm not saying Croft is great, but you look at his 2017 when he was healthy, pretty productive. The next three years after that, he's been hurt. It's a big dude right there. And Griffin, don't forget, end of 2019, hurt his, I think he hurt his ankle, Griffin. Um, last year, played banged up most of the year. He didn't even do anything last year. He was hurt. Um, Griffin's not a great tight end either, but I think the combination of them can be decent because if you look at the schemes, at least the San Francisco 49ers ran historically last year and the years before that, and this type of system we're going to run, those tight ends should be getting a lot of targets. Yeah. I mean, that's what happens in that system. And I'm worried about those going to Herndon. So even, even if it isn't Ernst, I mean, Ernst is a step up over Herndon, Mike, if that was the other option. And I think he's probably on paper at least more accomplished and more polished than any of these guys. Um, I'm just interested to see. And I don't know personally, Eagles fans, Eagles beat writers would know if they think he's washed or not. But I think the option they're going to go with by week one, I think we have him um, in the building right now. I think it's going to be Croft and Griffin. I think Herndon's going to be riding the pines, guys. I think he's, I think he's done. And we look at his contract. Also, he's supposed to make two point three this year. I think. I mean, that's not. It's not looking good for him. That's all I'm saying. It's not yeah, looking good. For him. Yeah, on on my podcast, I do on Mondays. I, you know, I do I do it on Mondays. Take flight, spitting fire podcast. Last Monday, I had Green being on, and that's one of the things we got into the tight end position. And after him and me just chatting it back and forth for a little while, we both got to the conclusion that. There's a decent chance Herdman can get cut. Exactly. Like, forget traded. Like, forget traded. There's exactly. a decent chance this dude can get cut. And I have really been high on Croft for a little while because throughout camp, we've been hearing Croft, Griffin, and Herndon as the main receiving options. I wanted it to be Kenny Yaboa. That's the guy I wanted. Oh, but unfortunately, I don't, we've I don't heard a little bit. Yeah, he got a little. He actually, you're right. We he actually got more time camp. with him running with the ones than Herndon did the last two practices. Yeah, so Yaboa in minicamp has gotten some time and he can actually sneak onto the roster though because i also want to just point something out sometimes in these mini camps and otas i'm sure like you guys know the coaches are putting players with the ones purposely just to see not that but if they look good like isaiah good right right but what i'm saying is Yes, these are like we said. They're they're getting with the ones. Oh my goodness, we might. But who? You never know. When when camp opens, and we see that first and second preseason game, that's when you're going to really know who's really yeah. the one. Here, Mike, you ready? I think this is the way to look at it. And this is the way after him and me talking about it. This is how I kind of started to look at it. So, <clears throat> Yaboa 
was considered to be a late round pick. Like he could have easily been a fifth round pick. He was the second best receiver on that Ole Miss team next to Elijah Moore. Yep. So there's a really good chance he doesn't make it through waivers. Like a very good chance he doesn't make it through waivers. And then you miss out on him. So you might want to keep him as that tight end 3-4. Now without question, since Herndon's been making drops, the best guys have been Croft and Griffin. Without question, they've been the two names you keep hearing. Croft and Griffin, Croft and Griffin. But I lean toward Croft because Croft is the superior blocker. I Croft is not just the yeah. superior blocker. He's one of the best blocking tight ends in the league. Like, there have been linemen that have applauded Tyler Croft for his blocking ability. Like, this dude can block. So that's why I see Croft as that number one guy, just blowing dudes up at the line of scrimmage. Griffin as well. But then again, if is not going to make it through waivers, Herndon gets cut. Yeah. That's the and thing. You know what? And uh, when, I, when I started thinking about it, when I looked at how much he's due this year, I was like, wow, 2.3 for Chris Herndon. And you know, I don't think he, much is guaranteed, right? No, and also, I mean, it, also, he's a fourth round pick. This isn't a, 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 not that those picks don't matter. It's not like you invested a first rounder or a second rounder where you're more apt to kind of. Take and he some was time. not Joe Douglas' pick. Exactly. So, Just like the argument has, for Sam. That was the whole argument. This Joe is Douglas not Joe's quarterback. Joe Douglas has no allegiance to Chris Herndon. Now, you look at his rookie year, good. Second year, train wreck. That was of his own fault. He shows, shows uh, a lack of um, discipline getting a DUI. Then comes that, back, yeah, don't forget then, suspension. Then comes, then comes back out of, and that's what I mean, gets a DUI, comes back out of shape, hurts his hamstring in practice, he's out of shape. All you saw was out of shape, out of shape, out of shape, hurts his hamstring. Great. Out the whole year. Then last year, guys, he wasn't just bad. There was... 11 of the 16 games last year. I had to write it down because it blew my mind. 11 of the 16 games. He played in every single game. He had two catches or less. There's five games last year. He didn't record a single stat. No catches, no anything. I'll go along with the drops, and you're talking about the opposite of production. So I know some people are high on him with the preseason so far. Excuse me. With his OTA so far, it looks like his stock is all the way down. Now you want to flip over, guys, to some defense. Now we talked about it already a little bit. Getting to all these corners. There's so many options. We got Bryce Hall. We got Bless Austin, Pinnock, Ballantyne, Eccles. Michael Carter II, Lamar Jackson, Javelin Gidget, even Justin Harding. Justin Hardy, guys. There's a lot of guys on this roster right now that play cornerback. I want to say I think so far um, is Pinnock, as we know, we discussed a little bit earlier. Opposite of Bryce Hall so far, so far in the OTAs, because our boy Blasson Austin's been banged up. He's been he's been basically playing CB CB2 starting out there. And then Michael Carter, from what I read today, is the favorite at this point is, to yeah. be the slot corner. Yes. Mm-hmm. Which, 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 which right. I mean, we're just, which, which would make us how I did earlier. Now, I said this last week, and it was just last year. So the jury saw it on last year's draft. We know Beckham was tremendous, and there's plenty of guys that Harrison is high on, and plenty of good guys they got last year. Don't get me wrong. But it seems like Harrison mentioned this earlier. This year's draft already has dudes in camp in two weeks. <laughs> in two weeks that everyone's like, oh my God, Elijah Moore. Oh my God, look at ABT. Oh, Michael Carter, the second might be a starter. We got him in the fifth round. You, you said it. Joe Douglas. Hitting home runs, getting guys like Pinnock and Carter that might start for us. Now, I know, and I mentioned this to the boys before we started going here. I know we don't have a corner on the team right now drafted above the fifth round. That's insane. Okay, so Bryce Hall we took in the fifth. We know we took Michael Carter in the fifth. Bless Austin was a sixth-round pick. Um, Eccles, I think, was also a sixth-round pick. Um, We have a lot of guys. Corey Ballantyne didn't get picked by the Jets, but was a sixth-round pick. And then the last three guys, when it comes to Guidry, when it comes to Hardy, and when it comes to um, Jackson, all undrafted guys. So. As far as draft capital invested in the position, not a lot on paper, right? Doesn't mean, like Harrison will tell you, doesn't mean we don't have the talents, okay? Just means they haven't drafted the many guys that high. Which is interesting. And yeah. I, 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 left, I left Gunn off the list. I, sh- I should have mentioned Gunn as well. And a guy who got a, b- a big-time undrafted free agent. The biggest contract, effort, so. yeah. And, you know, we, we talked about it last week. We talked about it a little earlier already. Um, I know Blasson Austin has played 18 games, so he has a little bit of NFL experience. He's decent. Blasson Austin's not horrible. He wasn't great. 
Um, he be probably a better tackler than he is a coverage guy. Bryce Hall played eight games last year, 36 tackles in those eight games. So he was hitting guys. Also had a pick in those eight games for Bryce Hall. Pinnock, Michael Carter might start. I mean, so a lot of here sprinkled out here. Um, I mean, how do you think it's going to shake I, out? No, guys? that's what I want to ask you. I, I really want to hear your opinion, Keith. Who is CB1, 2, and slot corner week one? Who starts? For week one, I think that, I mean, from all reports, from what you guys keep telling me nonstop about Bryce Hall, everyone thinks it's Bryce Hall, right? Which is nice. Um, we'll see how, how training camp goes. I know Blasson Austin has started 18 games. Um, is Bryce Hall leaps and bounds ahead of Blasson Austin? I don't think so. I don't think I've ever heard anyone say that. I don't think anyone has that opinion. Um, I, I would say Hall's leaps and bounds over Austin. I, I, would, I would give that opinion. It is I would give that, that opinion. I'll be honest with I you. Would. I will give that opinion as well. I don't. It's based I mean, and, what, it, and it's not a hate on Blashawn <laughs> Austin because Blashawn yeah. Austin actually similarly like Hall when he played in college. He legit looked like a first, second round prospect, but due to injury, so we're gonna guys. This is what we're gonna do. We're gonna do this again. I thought we went through this last week. So he's leaps and bounds ahead of Blashawn Austin, and he for me last week to say he's still a question mark was ridiculous. That's how far in you guys are on Bryce Hall right now. That's what we're saying. After eight games of playing in the NFL, eight games that besides Jet fans and besides you two and people that get hyped up off nothing, no one in the league is talking about Bryce Hall. Naturally. Well, it's a relative scale because he's leaps and bounds over Bless Austin, but he's not Michonne Lattimore. Like, you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> I think I, I guess. actually... I know, I know when Bless on Austin well, finished my, off... My opinion of Bless on Austin has changed or, or from last year. He's a terrible tackler. At least what I saw, he he. Well, he was better much. last year. He, he, he but he better. he was missing. He was missing tackles. He had a lot of penalties at the end. His at the end of his year last year really was disappointing to me. Um, and Bryce Hall to me was much more consistent playing outside corner than uh, Bless. Uh, Austin. Austin, when he I finished his rookie year, Mike. when he finished his rookie year, Mike, will you put up a stat on this show? Oh, I love the Earth about Blasson Austin about how he yes. finished the season. Those games, games. Yes. One, of the highest, one of the highest rated corners. Hold on, guys. Hold on. One of the highest rated corners on PFF and all this. I know last year wasn't that. Bryce Hall was not one of the highest rated corners on no, PFF he wasn't. over the last no, eight games. No, right. but you go, but no, but you guys are telling me leaps and bounds. Well, leaps and I can bounds. see it. Why well, I really like what I have so much? last year, Keith. No, you're right. Bless on Austin at the end of his rookie year was actually one of the highest rated cornerbacks according to PFF. Last season, he got more burn. I don't know if it's Gase, whatever, but he did not have, especially the second half of the season was not good for him. Now, Bryce Hall was never top, to your point, PFF. But last season, he really was our most consistent outside defender at the cornerback spot. Now, right, it's really about stability. And so coming into this year, I don't think Bless Austin is going to be CB2 at all. I do believe that Hall will be CB1. Now, who's going to win CB2? I don't know. I would love it for it to be Austin. But from what I saw from him last season, it was disappointing. It's unfortunate. So that's why I say when, I, when you say leaps and bounds, maybe I won't call it that. But I do think that Paul is a level above blessing. No, I know it's everyone's knee jerk when we have these shows and we write. We have to we have to exaggerate. It's what we have to do. I get it, guys. He's leaps and bounds ahead of him. Fine. When it comes to this Michael Carter, the second potentially starting, okay? Um, I think that's a real thing. Your your boy Justin Fried, I saw he's been writing about him all week. He seems like when it comes and he's perfectly set up his size, the speed, everything is intangibles when it comes to the slot corner position. You saw a lot of people saying they might bring back Brian Poole. I know Harrison was not a fan of that no. at all remotely. Um, do you think I know we liked Gidry, Mike, and he played well last week. 
tackler um, last year, too. Caused a lot of issues, caused a lot of forced fumbles on uh, Gidry last year. But when it comes to at least what you've seen in these two weeks, you coming away impressed here with Michael Carter, the second Mike? Yeah, I am. Uh, I Again, like, you know, I like Gidry. And, you know, we just talked about Bless on Austin. Gidry was the fourth highest rated PFF player on the defense for the New York Jets last that, season. Yeah. Last season, people want to forget that. And the kid also ran a 4-3-40. So the kid has speed. He did his thing. I didn't see any reason why he shouldn't be the starter from last year. But from what I'm hearing in camp, I'm not there. Michael Carter II is making noise. So, hey, like Keith said, cream rises to the crop, uh, to the top. We'll see. We'll see what happens. I'm not going to. I just want the best cat there. But bringing back pool to me makes no sense. In my opinion, just based off of what Gidry did last year and what we're hearing from Michael Carter this year. Sure. I don't think we're as bad at outside corner as people make it out to be, but at slot corner, we're freaking fantastic right now. We're golden. And that's why I didn't want to bring Brian Poole back. Because again, like Michael pointed out, and I've been very consistent with this stat. I've been huge, like huge on Javelin Gidry. Gidry has so much potential, man. When Poole got hurt last year as one of the best slot cornerbacks in the league, honestly, Gidry came in. We didn't miss a beat. Didn't miss anything. Gidry came in. Not only did we not miss a beat, and he looked just as good. He only graded out slightly below pool in coverage last year as an undrafted rookie. But then we took Michael Carter, man. I love Michael Carter. Like, that kid is talented. So if we look at Gidry, 5'11", 190, very physical for his size, dominant in man coverage, runs like you said, a 4'2", 940. Michael Carter, 5'11", 190, very physical for his size, Good in man coverage runs a four three forty, and then Brandon Eccles runs a four three four forty. Out of the three of those guys, Eccles is the slowest. Like you never hear that sentence. The guy with the four three four speed is the slowest, but he is out of those three guys. You have elite speed, good coverage skills. I really like Michael Carter. I think him and Gidry, I figure we're going to battle it out for that slot position. I think either one could get it, but man, Carter's been the guy right now in camp. But when we talk about outside corner, Paul, I say CB1 for two, Austin or Dunn or Jason Pinnock. Right now, it's a competition between all three of those guys. And you said it, Mike, Green rises to the top. So one of those three guys is going to earn it. I And if you ask me right now what I've been hearing, who's going to be starting, I think it's going to be Paul at one, I think it's going to be done at two. I think it's going to be done at two Pinnock. because done. I I understand Pinnock because Pinnock has had better plays, but Dunn has been more consistent. And to me, the most important part about being a cornerback is consistency. Now let's see what happens. We'll, we'll see what happens. But I, well, Mike, Mike right has on Austin like fifth on the depth. Like he started I, last I think, year. Most people, if he if he would have been in OTAs, he would have been the other corner with Hall this entire practice. He would have. He's just he's just diminished to nothing now. Hall, so. I don't think he's well, Michael. Hurt. Isaiah and, and, I think, and I think actually, bless on Austin, can get cut. Oh, oh, that that's a big. I wouldn't say. Yeah, I, I feel like yeah. he's battling. He played. He played spot, terrible so I last season. No, he did. But he played out of. Just saying, he did not play well. Yeah. If he does not show something this year, this OT in minicamp, he's a surprise cut, in my opinion. And then they're putting their faith in people that have never played, is what you're saying. They'll put it in the people who they just that have never played. Yeah, that's okay. right. That's not very logical, but I guess that's one way to do it. When it comes to the rest of the secondary year, safety, we know Marcus May. That's already locked down. We don't have to worry about that. The second safety position, guys, is what I'm interested in. Is it going to be LaMarcus Joyner? Ashton Davis has been banged up, still not practicing yet. You thought, you hoped, you wished last year um, he would have locked that position down. So going into this year, he's a no-brainer starter. 
I don't think that's the case here. I think Jordan's going to get moved to safety. I think he's going to end up being the starter. What do we think? Are you, out of these picks from last year, uh, I think Ashton Davis, to me, was one of the more disappointing ones just because of what I thought he was going to be. I thought he was going to be like a Jamal Adams because of what he did in college and his speed. He ran track on the strength, the speed, the combination of everything. And he wasn't that. And we went out and we got Joyner to push this kid. He's not just going to start automatically. It's not going to happen. I know they got Elijah Campbell back there also. They drafted a bunch of safeties, too, that might play linebacker, but we won't talk about them right now. I think Nasrul Dean, that's more of a linebacker there at weak side. But when it comes to the second starter here at Safety Harrison, what are you thinking? Are you thinking it's going to be Joyner? Are you thinking that Ashton Davis is going to battle this out until week one? And then when the smoke clears, we're going to find it out? I think in the free safety position, we're going to see LaMarcus Joyner and Marcus May is going to play with a strong safety. But the beauty of it is, and we see this, Unfortunately, we saw in Greg Williams' defense, but we see it in everyone's defense. There's a big emphasis now on three safety three safeties, sets, yeah. being able to use three safeties interchangeably. And it's really nice, the combination we have right now. So you look at Marcus May, nothing really needs to be said. The seventh-rated safety in all of the NFL going into the next season, three spots higher than Big Mouth Jamal Adams. <laughs> He's one of the best safeties in the league at everything. Box, tackle, coverage, all of it. So he can do everything. For the next position, you look at LaMarcus Joyner. Joyner, when he played slot corner, was legitimately pretty bad. But if you actually break down only the snaps he played free safety in the NFL, he actually has like a 91 PFF grade. It's pretty crazy. He has over 90 PFF grade when he just plays safety, when he's not in that slot corner position. So it's going to be interesting to see what he does. And you talk about Davis being a disappointment. I wouldn't go that far yet. I mean, he only had his rookie year. He was banged up like people get banged up, but he was a third round pick. And right when we took him, I was like, okay, well, if we trade away Adams or May, like at the time we thought it was May, that was the thing. But if we're trading away one of these guys, it actually makes sense because Davis is a big hitter and he's fast, like lightning fast. Like you mentioned well, the track stuff. I, I was disappointed with Ashton Davis. Yeah. I wouldn't no, go that I know, far, no, man. Did know, you watch know, him in the Panthers game? I, I know what he you're saying. He blasted Cam Newton no, no, in the no. face. I know what you're he saying. He took that guy I, out. I know what you're saying. And I know he was hurt and everything. I was disappointed because I expected him to step in and make noise immediately. Um, go, very similar to maybe Jamal Adams, maybe not to that level, but to be like, oh, wow, I'm really excited. I mean, not and, to be real, and to be honest with you, and not everybody does, but to be honest with you, I didn't see anything really special from him last year. So I liked Whoa. his speed and I liked his tracking ability of yeah. running backs and quarterbacks in the backfield. But, and, and again, he took a guy like Cam Newton and knocked him out of the game. Like yeah. he's a he finished hitter. the year last year, no interceptions, no sacks, no big plays. He didn't, I feel like his, co his coverage needs a lot of work. That is a fact. Yeah. But everything I don't know. else I, I, I like could it. say, I, I mean, I think for where people, I think people thought he was going to start last year and play the whole year and be productive. Mm -hmm. And he, I would have 30 tackles. So, I mean, you could say, you could easily say he's a disappointment. And they went out and got LaMarcus Jordan. And I know they use three safeties now, but they got him to probably start and get more reps than Davis because Davis was a disappointment. I would and I was say hoping, so free safety. Yeah. You know, and we'll see. And this is, they're going to battle it out. We'll see how it shakes out. I think that was one of the that was the Leonard Williams picks, uh, Ashton Davis. That's who we got for Leonard Williams. One of our picks from the Giants. Thank you, Giants. We appreciate that. And like like we said, guys, his uh, speed, strength, everything he did when he played in college, um, he was all over the place. I think that's why I was so amped to get him. I thought that was a really good pick. And I have faith in Joe Douglas. And I'm not the type of guy one year in. You, you you can um, predict or you can say how someone's career is going to work out. You might turn it around. Might be the greatest player of the team this year. Who knows? I just know that when it comes to safety, that's kind of all we got there. I know that we got, like I said, we have Elijah Campbell out there too. Um, but we're pretty locked into safety, pretty locked into corner. ton of dudes out there, corner, uh, that we spoke about. Now, this defensive line I want to get into. Then we'll talk about linebackers and we'll get out of here. Um, the D-line. I mean, this is to me stacked on stacks. Stack. This is, this this is, is strength, our this is the strength it. of our defense right here. Right, guys? This is the strength, strength of, of a Robert Salah defense. defense. That's yeah. the strength yes, of it. 
And you look at it, guys, and on paper, I'm just going to rattle off some names here. And now you know we got Carl Lawson. You know we got Rankins on the squad. Fatukasi, Quinnen Williams, John Franklin Myers, who has some tremendous metrics and some tremendous stats. The amount of snaps he gets. Um, rushing the passer. Vinny Curry, Bryce Huff, forgotten about in the mix here. Jonathan Marshall, who we drafted at the end of the draft this year from Arkansas. Nathan Shepard, Zuniga, who didn't play last year. He got hurt. Um, and, of course, Kyle Phillips. That's a lot of productive players. That's a lot of good guys. Fatu yeah, Kasi. And even Hamilcar Rashid. <laughs> yeah. And I mean, Fatu Kasi, Fatu Kasi is somebody that is perennially kind of overlooked and overrated. A good run stuffer. Um, I think last year, when you look at John Franklin Myers' numbers, um, he had he had a couple sacks in there, but he also had 13 QB hits, almost 30 QB pressures. The amount of time he actually played, that's super impressive. That's somebody that I could see starting over, kind of getting in there over rankings by the time the year gets started there at defensive tackle, guys. I think, obviously, guys, the strength of our squad, we're adding Carl Lawson into that. I'm not saying we were the best at getting to the quarterback last year. We weren't. Pretty decent at stopping the run. We know we got Q. We know we got uh, Mosley in the middle now. One of the more underrated players. Kind of, He's getting lost in the mix here. Mosley, only 28 years old. Different position group. But he's going to help the defensive line in front of him. Mike, what do you think? Carl Lawson added to the mix. You got Q. Is there someone here out of all those names I just read? Not named Carl Lawson. Not named Quinnen Williams. Jet fans should take some notice of. There is. Uh, Carl Lawson, like you said, uh, he did. Actually, today he would have had a sack on Zach Wilson. He looks pretty good. This line is ridiculous. I'm so excited. I think this is going to be the best Jet defensive line that we've seen since the 80s in the sack exchange. I think that the way everything is set up, guys, Bryce Huff is ready to have a breakout season on the left side, on the edge. I think that uh, Quinnen is going to bring the heat up the middle. Carl will be on the right side or he's on the left side and the right side being Bryce Huff. I think that this system is built for him to really shine. I know John Franklin Myers potentially and to your point, Hamil Shard, uh, Hamilcar Richard Jr. You know, he's an undrafted rookie. We'll see what he does. But of all these guys here from as far as uh, an edge presence, I think Bryce Huff is going to have a phenomenal season. I think Harrison, I know you're a big Jonathan Franklin Myers fan. That's your oh, boy. I am. I do you am. think that? Do you think in this mix of dudes I just mentioned, do you think that's a sleeper cell sitting in there ready to have a breakout without question, year? Easily without question. I mean, there's a lot of guys to talk about there, but just to talk about Franklin Myers for a little bit. People got really stoked when we got Sheldon Rankins, and they should be. But just like with Gerard Davis, though. Interestingly, Gerard Davis has looked good. Like, he's looked very good in shorts. It's just shorts. But him and Sheldon Rankins hadn't panned out. Those were two first-round picks back in 2017 that were supposed to be elite. Sheldon Rankins was supposed to be like a Quinn and Williams, and it never happened. So we took a flyer contract on him. We hope it pans out. And people got excited about the name. But, Keith, I'm with you. I think John Franklin Myers is going to push as that other interior yeah, guy. We're going to see him and Quinn in more in the interior with more natural edge rushers on the end, like Curry and Lawson and yeah. Huff and maybe even Zuniga potentially. And I think Franklin Myers is going to, and Rankins will be more of a rotational piece. That's what I think. I but you mentioned with Carl Lawson. I mean, him and Quinn and Williams, like it's ridiculous to get into. Like Carl Lawson's numbers, other than his sack numbers, his numbers are like video game numbers. It's ridiculous. 64 QB pressures last year, four game, 32 QB hits, two a game, tied for first with QB knockdowns, 26, tied with TJ Watt. Like it's just ridiculous what this guy did. Quinn in the numbers are ridiculous. Top of the league is a defensive interior guy. But you mentioned Franklin Myers. 13 QB hits last year, second on the team. In the limited amount of time he played, yep. he was fantastic. Now, Michael mentioned, don't sleep on Huff. 
Huff was my guy, man. Like, this was a guy, I watched him at Memphis. I really loved his pass rush ability. I thought he was great in the Cotton Bowl. Like, I thought he was going to be drafted. I couldn't believe he didn't go undrafted. So him, Curry, who even though Curry's up to 33 years old, he had 10 QB hits last year. That's three less than Franklin Myers. So all this talent that we have, Robert Sala's defenses, which people may not realize, they talk about how weak we are at corner. Robert Sala's defenses are designed at getting to the quarterback, causing disruption, and forcing quick plays, taking the pressure off of the cornerback. That's how his defenses have always been designed. If you look back to every time Robert Sala's been a head coach, his 49ers team has consistently been one of the best teams in the NFL in QB hurries. Even last year when they had all those injuries, they were still toward the top of the league because that's what they do. They live it disrupting the backfield, getting to the quarterback, crushing the play, and taking the stress off the cornerbacks. So that's why I think this defense really has the potential to shine. Yeah, and Vinny, Vinny Curry's old, man, but he's got over 30 sacks in his career. He's always And 10 QB hits last year at 32. That's crazy. He's still productive. I think Rankins in 2017-2018 had eight sacks in one season. So, I mean, he's a guy that can get after the quarterback, too. So, I'm excited about that position group. And let's talk about these linebackers, and then we'll get out of here, guys. Because entering the team, basically going to play his first season with the Jets, even though he's in the third year of his contract, is one C.J. Mosley. He's played one half as a Jet. Now, it was quite a half that he played, okay? He had an interception. He had a sack. He had a touchdown. He had nine tackles. He was Lawrence Taylor for a half. And then now we haven't seen him for two years, which is disappointing. But I'll tell you this. When he did play, uh, prior to being on the Jets, he was one of the best middle linebackers in the NFL. Ridiculously productive. Also really, really smart player. Quarterback out there on the field. Um, That's one of the additions to the team. Um, I think that's kind of been lost in the mix. You don't really hear C.J. Mosley talked about that much when people talk about our defense. Lawson, Quinn, Quinnen. Our, our whole quote-unquote hole there at cornerback you're spoken of. No one's talking about the improvement we're going to make here at this linebacking core, adding C.J. Mosley back into the mix. I mean, C.J. Mosley seems like he's been around forever. He's only 28 years old, and he's only played five seasons in the NFL because he hasn't played the last two years. Good point. So this is not somebody with a ton of wear and tear on his body. This is someone who hasn't played in two seasons. You know, and last year was for personal reasons with COVID. Everyone understand nobody was questioning any of the NFL players, but he kept himself in shape. One of the smartest guys in the league, one of the best middle linebackers in the NFL is on the Jets and nobody's talking about it. I I think that's such a real point. And Keith, I was going to bring this up before. A surprise extension could be middle season. You see the Jets sign him for additional plus years because he's getting along with Salah. It's just well, I wouldn't go that really far. Well. He's making a lot of money right now. He's making and a he's, lot of money. He's still locked they, in for... They could bring the cap hit down and extend the years. You know what I'm saying? They could restructure the contract. Well, no, the last year, they, it, what happened is the, the contract... They, it, you know, what happened with him was that they took the contract, they suspended it. So yeah. last year didn't even hit. So it's like That's he what I thought, yeah. play. And now he's going... He still has... That's what I thought. Of, he still has got four years left. No, no, he has... I think. He has two years left so it was a three-year contract with a i think it was a fourth year was it i thought it was more. i gotta go i gotta look but i know we played the one year we paid it (laughs) this is the second year of the contract now there is a potential out, but if you push yeah. again, 2020, it goes Yeah, the, out, the out's in the fourth year, like you said. The out's not just 2023. Yeah, 2023. It's basically a four-year contract, but I mean, if the Jets choose to bring him back again, it's $17 million. I mean, it looks like this year, because of what happened when they prorated the money, he's not that much of a hit on the cap, which is which is pretty good for us. Oh, really? uh, it looks like. For this year? Yeah, for this year, it doesn't look like he's as big a hit. It looks like the money got moved forward, like you said, Mike, because maybe uh, he did that last year. Well, okay. it's interesting. Yeah, the cap hit's not big. It's great. It's only a $7.5 million cap hit, yeah. but like it's a significant amount of dead cap because of last year. 
Got it. It's interesting it. the way it was. Yeah, it's Got interesting it. the way they did it. It's funny how they figured that all out. But guys, when yeah. it comes to this linebacker position, I mean, we know Mosley's going to be locking down that middle linebacker spot. When it comes to the strong side linebacker, it looks like Gerard Davis is going to be locking that down. Hopefully, at least. Um, I know he had some ups and downs there with the Lions, but that's what we brought him in here to do. Type of defense we're going to run, plays into his strengths. Weak side linebacker, though. Blake Cashman, you'd think on paper would be the guy, but they drafted a couple safeties here that might be pushing him. Nashville Dean, who I've heard, has played with the ones on defense so far. Nashville Dean is something, man. So, so I mean, Sherwood. when it comes to Sherwood, Nashville Dean, when it comes to that weak side linebacker, I think there's some question marks. I don't think linebacker, that's probably our, to me, um, it's another hole. I know people talk about corner. Linebacker, at least to me right now, we don't have a lot of proven guys. When, when we, the season shakes out, we might have guys killing it. Um, besides CJ Mosley, I don't have too, too many guys right now I know you can count on. But when it comes to linebacker in this weak side spot, do you see Blake Cashman starting? Harrison, do you think he's going to get moved down the roster here? And you think Nashville Dean's going to supplant him or maybe Sherbert will supplant him by week one? Well, it's interesting because I, I had always felt this way, right? We moved to a 4-3. I loved our potential on defensive line, but I was like, oh my God, we don't have any 4-3 linebackers. Like, we just don't. We don't have anyone that can cover. And that's why in the beginning of the season, uh, before the draft, when everyone was on defense saying, we need a corner, we need a corner, we need a corner, I was like, wait, hold on, guys. We need linebackers. Like, forget corner for a second. Like, we got Hall, we got Austin, even though it hasn't been great at linebacker. At the time, you know, C.J. Mosley was potentially a question mark, because like you said, played one quarter in two years. Could he get hurt again? And Gerard Davis, he has looked really good in OTAs, but like you mentioned, there's a reason, just like Sheldon Rankins, we took a flyer on him. Yeah. He was he was a first-round pick. He was a first-round draft pick. He was supposed to be amazing, but not only was he not amazing, he was pretty downright bad. Yeah, like, his good. PFF some years were like 40-something. Like, really bad, bad. So from what I hear at OTAs and minicamp, they say he's really good. I'm hearing really good things about Gerard Davis. He says he wants to reinvigorate and revitalize his career. He claims he's going to be what he used to be, but he's still a question marks. So I was yeah. like, if Mosley can't play and Gerard Davis is what he always was, we don't have a linebacker. Yeah, we're in trouble. Cashman can't stay healthy. Like, I like Cashman's oh, potential, but he sneezes and he gets he's hurt. He's good. He's that's a good player. Problem. You're right, though. He, that's the issue. When he plays, he's fantastic. Yeah. He had a good rookie season. And if you look at him in a 4-3 situation as a blitzer with agility playing in coverage, you're like, man, this kid could be great. But if he makes it more than six weeks, that's amazing. He just gets he's hurt. Never, yeah. he's ne it's he crazy. couldn't even stay healthy in college. He couldn't even, yeah, he's couldn't. never been able to stay healthy ever. So I just, so unfortunately, and it sucks to do it because he would fit great, but I just scratch him out. So by scratching him out, get Davis being a question mark, Mosley being a question mark, we potentially didn't have a single linebacker. So that's why I love, I said Joe needed to take two linebackers in this draft, and he did. And he blew my mind. Because like I was, you know, I do a lot of draft eval, I was looking at actual linebackers, like like actual linebackers that would yeah. fit in the 4-3 system. Like a guy like Charles Snowden. I wasn't as smart as Joe Douglas, so I got to take my hat off too. I wasn't thinking of this Keanu Neal type hybrid linebacker that's going to just light it up and that's exactly what these two guys are like as much as i like davis i want to see the two of them starting like i want to see sherwood mosley in the middle and nazaldine because the three uh sherwood and nazaldine as linebackers coming from safety have unbelievable speed unbelievably agility agility sideline to sideline when they wind up at the scrimmage they're just box safeties which is what they've been in the past they're excellent tacklers nazaldine has 192 tackles over two years that's almost 100 a season sherwood is like getting hit by a wall this guy's a monster they're gonna be murdering people behind the line of scrimmage unbelievable agility but also they're great in coverage for linebackers like at safeties they were good in coverage when you put them as a 
linebacker, it's a whole new eval. They're fantastic in coverage. In fact, Nassau Dean can be what Jamal Adams never was, a guy that can actually cover tight ends. So I'm really excited about those guys. I really am. Yeah. I mean, guys, we have a lot of hope in the air here. Now it's OTA time. I know all fans of all teams, all 32 teams have fans that heard reports coming out of OTAs. They were excited, they were stoked. This guy's doing better, this guy looks like a bum. July 27th is when the you know what's gonna hit the fan. We hit these training camps and we really see what the deal is, okay? OTAs is nice, on, guys, pads, pads go on, okay? Pressure gets cranked up a little. Now you know you're playing for that position on the team. Yo, Keith, now, how many how many times have we seen a guy like just light a what what do we call him like a, like an OTA superstar like a shorts hero? Yeah, sure. Basically, oh, we see these guys all the time. Yeah, plenty of them. And there's plenty of them that come up in training camp also that we know of. And um, Cl which, clowny. which uh, the clowny was one of the greatest ones of all time. <laughs> you know, my favorite. I remember when I was younger when uh, the undrafted free agent report comes up in the New York Post and I read they took this guy, Wayne Corbett from Hofstra, then I followed him all through camp and he's tearing it up. And I'm like, is this guy gonna really be good? He seems so little, you know, he's like, well, he didn't even get drafted. He looks like he's slow. My favorite player in the history of the Jets, Wayne Corbett, that's my boy right there. Oh, yeah. So you gotta keep an eye on these undrafted free agent guys. There's plenty of tremendous ones. Um, we're on the NFL. Wayne Corbett's our, our poster boy here when it comes to the New York Jets, but it all matters, guys. It all matters. That's why we get so granular into the weeds here with these players, man, because um, some of these guys might end up being stars. Some of these guys might end up getting cut. I'm excited to see. Once, well, I'm excited to see how when we report back in here, guys, all of us, the end of August, how accurate we all were. Yeah. All the, all the stuff and how, how it's going to shake out and stuff because training camp, especially for some of these busy groups, running back corner, we're all just going to be locked in. Locked in. All the position groups, Harrison's going to be locked in. All of us will be locked in. Don't get oh, me wrong, yeah. guys. I, there's, I certain, pretty... there's certain groups that are really, really, really interesting. This year. I mean, I guess, I guess even wide receiver. <clears throat> for the, for the mere point that we have so many good guys for once. I mean, so much going into this training game. I can't wait. I put myself out there on a few of these guys like uh, Isaiah Tony starting for cornerback. But you know what? We need someone. We need someone to start oh, a cornerback too, man. Someone step the hell up. Cause you know, damn, we don't, you know, but we'll see. Actually, my, if you gave me what I really want, I would love Bless Austin to be the number one. Well, in my we'll opinion, like we were talking that, about before, we were going back and forth. We were all going back and forth, joking around. I don't care who it is. I don't care. I don't, who I don't care is. any of these nine, ten guys we have. If someone just becomes a great player, if it's Bryce Hall, more power to you. Please be in the Pro Bowl. Shut people down. Shut me up. Prove me wrong. Please do that. Plus Austin, Michael Carter the second, all you guys. I mean, there's so many fast dudes gonna be running around there on the field. At least we know we have the speed. Let's see if these guys have the coverage skills. Let's see if these guys have the discipline when they're out there on the field. That's, that's this week's episode, guys. ABG number white number 119 in the books. Harrison, you got a lot going on out there in the universe. Spending a lot of plates at once. Why don't you let everybody know where they can find you? Yep, guys. Uh, you can find my website. You know, we do Jets writing, Jets reporting. There's articles there. Uh, we talk about the press conferences. Takeflightmedia.org. That's my company. You can find me on Twitter at MYJets, TF Media. Same thing. Jets takes, reports, uh, player stats, uh, interviews, press conferences, everything. We got it all there. Also, I do my podcast on Monday nights. A lot of fun. It is a live podcast on YouTube. Talk about everything. We got, uh, you know, guests coming on all the time. I've had Green Bean, Matt O'Leary before, working on getting some players potentially. This is going to be some good stuff. So you guys should check it out. It's the Take Flight Spit and Fire podcast. It's Monday nights at 7 p.m. on YouTube. 
Oh, Michael, and if anyone wants to get themselves involved in the Ain't Easy Being Green universe, where could they do that, Michael? Well, we're on YouTube at Ain't Easy Being Green Podcasts. Please follow us, like it, subscribe. We're on Facebook at AEBG.JetsRadio on Twitter at AEBG underscore NYJ Podcast and on Instagram at Jet.AEBG. Yeah, and I want to thank everybody who subscribed last week. A lot of new subscribers to the YouTube. We appreciate that. That's what we need. Harrison knows you try to grow these things the best you can, one step at a time. And we took a major step the last two or three weeks, so we appreciate that. I want to say on behalf of the number one Jet fan in the state of Texas and the busiest man in the Jet world today, Harrison Glazer. My name is Keith Farrell. Catch you next week, everybody. Peace out. Hey, this is your name. Your name. Your name. And, uh, they say it ain't easy. Gang Green and their man. Jets got themselves a great Robert Sala. Robert Sala. Talk about all gas, no break. The great one. We're not talking about effort on the field. We're talking about the process at which we do things. I'm not going to lie to you. Hurry up, hurry up, hurry up. Keep your foot on the pedal. There's no way I'm not going to have enthusiasm on the sideline. Hey, own this rep. Own this rep. The New York Jets. can beat anybody in the world, and I think we're going to win next Sunday. and welcome to the latest